uh, that sometimes there are particular periods of the year when it's more challenging, perhaps, to focus. Last Sunday was one of those Sundays where, uh, because of where it falls on the calendar and uh, travel period and events going on, it's uh, challenging for God's people to focus in worship. Today is the fatigue challenge. So if uh, you will not look fatigued uh, during uh, this period, I will try not to preach in a fatigued way. And uh, we will do just, just fine together. We're offering up our hearts of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving to God this morning. So much for which to be thankful and so many things, so many things that remind us of God's goodness to us. We've come to the end of the year. This is the last Sunday of this calendar year. It's a time when people uh, engage in reflection. God's people engage in reflection and introspection on a regular basis. Culturally, this is a time when everyone, in a broad sense, is reflecting on life. And this morning, from the seventh chapter of Matthew's Gospel, which was uh, actually the Uh, the latter part of what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be looking at the challenge that Jesus set forth to His disciples regarding life. They had listened to Him preach what is regarded as His inaugural address. The ministry of Christ is beginning. He he came to John, uh, was baptized of John, 40 days in the wilderness, challenged by Satan. And now His ministry has begun And uh, he is announcing that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you don't know anything about the kingdom and you don't have any part of it. This is not business as usual, Jesus said. What I am bringing to you and what I am calling you to is something that is far different than the ritualized, institutionalized religious Uh, exercises that have been a part of your life uh, for as long as you can remember. Jesus said, I am bringing to you the real thing and I'm saying to you that what God is interested in is not the appearance of righteousness or the image of righteousness. He's looking for the real thing. He's looking for the real thing. And so be careful. And, And so then he delivers to them this amazing sermon where he is saying over and over again, you've heard that it was said, this is what you normally have practiced, this is the general consensus on what this means, but I am telling you it is this. Wow, it was an astounding sermon. It it, it drove right to the heart and core of individuals. And Jesus, as he gets to the latter part of this, he's saying to them because they are amazed at this point and and multitudes are gathering to hear him preach and and you can just sense the excitement that must have been there. And now Jesus is saying to them at the end, it it is not enough. It it is not enough just to stand there in awe and and listen with with appreciation, there's more to this. You must choose. And I'm saying to you this morning, one of the things we remember as we look back on this year is that where we are right now is to a great extent 
the result of choices that we made during this past year. Everybody makes choices. And the thing about choices is this. Choices have consequences. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've got to choose what's important in your life. You must choose which way you're going to go. You must choose what your life is going to be about. But you need to remember something. Choices have consequences. There are things that follow when you make a choice. That's why it is important to make good choices in life. How'd you do in 2018? Did you make good choices about your life, about your study habits, about your prayer life, about your friends, about your relationships, about your family time, about your job? Did you make good choices this year? I I will tell you, where we are right now this morning, where we are spiritually, is to a great extent the result of our choices. Choices have consequences. We're living in a culture that uh, has become, uh, uh, become fascinated with and is enamored with the victim mentality. All of us are are conditioned uh, to believe that we're just victims of the world around us. We have just been hit with this and assaulted with this and, and somebody did this and somebody said this and this happened to us and this is the way those people are and, and this, this is why we are the way we are. I, I want to say to you, God never said that. God never said that the problem with the world is that we're all victims of the, uh, of the culture in which we live. What God said is that we're all living with the consequences of the choices that we make along the way. There's a huge difference, folks. If we are merely victims of the world around us, there's not much we can do about that. But if we're living with the consequences of our choices, ah, there is something we can do about that. And that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples this morning. You remember when God created the man and the woman and he placed them in the garden? And he said, everything in the garden is yours. Freely eat of all of it except one one tree, one fruit. That's all. Everything else is yours. We said last week, Satan immediately changed their focus. God had given them everything, a thousand and one gifts. And Satan caused them in one moment of time to focus on the one thing God told them not not to eat. Have you ever been to a banquet or, or to a buffet or to a holiday dinner where, there, uh, where everything in the house and kitchen and in the neighbor's house had all been cooked and brought together in one place? And there's always one person, usually it's a man, who, who, who opens his mouth and says something like, you mean there's no chocolate meringue pie? Are you kidding There is an entire dining room full of desserts, and you mentioned the one thing that's not there. God said, everything is yours, save that one fruit. Satan came into the garden, focused their attention on that fruit, 
they did the very thing. They made a choice. They made a choice. The woman made the choice. She gave to her husband. Listen to me. Adam had a choice. And he made his choice. They made a choice. And choices have consequences. And the consequences came just like God said. The writer of Proverbs is going to say later on, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. That in itself is another sermon. I'll perhaps study that with you sometime. But I want to say to you this morning that the writer of Proverbs is setting forth two things here. Number one, that everybody, everybody makes a choice. Number two, If you make the wrong choice, you've got some hard living ahead of you. That's what he said. Because choices have consequences. Now, just three or four things very quickly that Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, beginning in verse number 13, enter in by the narrow gate. You you have a choice. You have a choice. Here's what I'm setting before you. You've heard this, but I'm telling you this. Don't do this. Instead, do this. This is not the real thing. This is the real thing. Everybody has a choice. They're sitting in my... But Jesus is saying to them now, look, you've got to choose. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus said, I want to tell you something. It's not about listening to this sermon and shouting, Amen, brother. Preach on. I'm with you. Boy, that's great. I appreciate the sentiment, Jesus is saying, but it's not about, it's not about you appreciating the lesson. I'm calling you to do something. I'm challenging you to change your life. You must make a choice. It's not just about saying, Lord, Lord. It's about doing something, the right thing, the right choice. And so he says, enter in by the narrow gate. You have a choice of which way you're going to go. Choose the right way. And then he said, it's not just saying, Lord, Lord. It's about doing the right thing. And then he says in verse 24, Everyone therefore that heareth these words of mine and doeth them. This is the wise person. Not just the one that hears them and then goes his way without doing anything. I'm saying to you this morning that when Jesus sets forth these two gates, he's saying to them, you must Enter the gate, not just admire the gate, not just tell the Lord, I am so glad you provided this gate. We should be full of gratitude, but Jesus is saying that in itself is not the completion of what you're called to do. You must enter the gate. Joshua said to the Israelites, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods that your father served that were beyond the river. 
are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. Choose today who you're going to serve. You remember what Festus said to Paul. Oh, go away. When, when I have a more convenient season, I'll, I'll call you back. No. Choose. We have to enter the gate. Secondly, it's not just a matter of doing something. It's a matter of doing the right thing. It's not just a matter of going through a gate. It's choosing the right gate. And Jesus said, I'm telling you right now, the gate to which you've been called, the way that you've been called to, the life to which you've been called is the more difficult way. It's the more challenging way. It's not the wide way, the broad way, the easy way. Lots of people on that way. It is the default highway. No, Jesus said, I'm calling you to the other one. It's the one not many people are taking. You know why? Because it is hard. Because it is challenging. Because it is difficult at times. Because it is straight, narrow, defined. I I remind you this morning that Jesus himself was that way. And so was his teaching. And, and, and I'm saying to you, as we carry the message of the gospel and to the culture in which we live, to the society around us, as we seek to evangelize here in this community with our uh, community Bible studies, with our home Bible studies, the personal Bible studies that are going on here in this area uh, with several of the folks here, I, I, I'm saying to you this morning, we, we need to keep in mind just what Jesus said. Oh, you people are so narrow-minded. Oh, you don't have any idea. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus did not say, can't we just all hold hands and get along? We're all trying to go to the same place. That is not what he said. He did not say, well, everybody's pretty much the same. You know, they're they're good people everywhere. That's not what he said. He said, there is one way. Is that narrow? That's narrow. And Jesus said, we must enter the gate, not just stand there and admire it. And he said, it is the narrow gate. He understood that. There is one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is one God and one mediator also between God and man, himself man, Christ Jesus. This morning, I'm reminding you that when Jesus calls us to enter through the narrow gate, we need to remember, especially in this present culture, we need to remember just how narrow that gate really is. The third thing I would say to you about the gate this morning and entering the gate is that we must enter alone. We have to go one by one. This is a very personal, a very individual choice. That's important. This is a time of year when when large family groups are gathering together. 
seeing each other perhaps for the first time in several months, maybe once a year they get together and do something like this. <clears throat> it takes a year to get over it and then you do it again and you know how that goes. Isn't it an amazing thing that God repeatedly told his people, you'll stand before me one by one. Each person must give account of himself. Each one. We're not going to enter the gate family by family. I will tell you that God had every intention that fathers and mothers were going to plant in the hearts of their children the knowledge of God and the love of Jesus Christ, and they were going to give their children every opportunity to know God. But God's decreed will was that volition would be ascribed to every person as he comes of age and everyone, not only having the right to choose for himself, but every individual having the responsibility to choose for himself. And, and so the Apostle Paul said, So then, each one shall give account of himself to God. Or in 2 Corinthians 5, Each one shall give account of himself before the judgment seat of Christ for the deeds done in the flesh, whether they be good, whether they be evil. Everyone answers for Himself. Isn't that what Ezekiel said? Years earlier, God's people had been carried away into captivity because of their apostasy, their spiritual apostasy. They were not faithful to God. They, they were in captivity with Ezekiel. Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they are in Babylon, the palace. A few years later, the Babylonians come to Jerusalem again. They carry away 10,000 exiles. And they're in a refugee camp on the river Kibar, 20 miles south of Babylon. And there, there they're going to remain in captivity, Jeremiah said. The captivity is going to last 70 years. But these people are in captivity, and they haven't learned. They don't get it. They know that morally and spiritually, they're a mess. They do know that. They admit that. But this is what they were saying about it. Well, you know, we're, we're a mess. We're not living the way we ought to live. And we're not doing what we ought to do. And spiritually, we've made lots of mistakes. It's hard to say the word sin. And you know, we've just, we've just really... Uh, we, I know that our lives are not anything like what God... But, this is what they were saying, Ezekiel chapter 18. But they were saying, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. Our parents were like this. Our grandparents. They're the ones who brought the idols into the land. They're the ones that started all of this. I mean, we're a mess and we're not living right, but we can't help it. There's nothing we can do. And God said, I'm not listening to that anymore. 
Ezekiel chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. The prophet said, The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What do you mean that you continue to use this proverb uh, among yourselves, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, therefore the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith Jehovah. You shall not have occasion to use this proverb in Israel anymore. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul that sins, it shall die. In verse 20, he goes on to say, The soul that sins, it shall die. The Son does not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither does the Father bear the iniquity of the Son, The righteousness of the righteous belongs to him. The wickedness of the wicked belongs to him. Let me say something to you. Every young person here, let me say something to you. If you have a father and a mother who believe in God and who have committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can get down on your knees and thank God for the blessing. That you have parents who love God and you have parents who have taught you about God And you have parents who are serving God. But be reminded that nobody is going to heaven riding in on the coattails of their parents. We don't go to heaven family by family. This is a very personal individual choice. I mean, I say to you, based on Revelation chapter 3, we need to remember we don't go church by church either. Somebody says, well, I go to a good church. Wonderful. Thank God if you do. But I would remind you this morning, when we stand before the Lord in judgment, we're not going to stand there congregation by congregation, church by church. We're going to stand there person by person. And you can be thankful for that too because Jesus said in his letter to the church at Sardis, the church is dead. Those weren't my words, those were his words. You have a name that liveth, but thou art dead. The church was dead. But then Jesus said, yet there's some of you there who've not sold the garments. Wow. Wow. When we enter the gate, that's a very personal choice. I want to say something to you this morning. As far as choices in your life and where you are spiritually, where you want to be in this coming year, that's your choice. It is your choice as to whether or not you are going to serve the Lord and spiritually be the person that you've been called to be. And finally, let me say to you that when you decide that you're ready to make the right choice, make a good choice, choosing the right gate, living the right life, when you're ready to make that choice, you need to be reminded that when you are traveling with the Lord, there's no carry-ons, no handhelds, and for sure there's no check bags. When you come to the Lord, you leave it all behind. Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? 
Let me explain something to you. You must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not like, I'm going to serve the Lord, but there's this one thing that I just can't let go of. No. No, It's not like that. When you enter the gate, you enter with nothing. No handhelds, no carry-ons, no check bags. You are denying self. And you are bearing your cross daily. Jesus said some, some are just too hard to receive it in their hearts and some are going to be choked to death by the cares of the world around them. I'm saying to you folks, if you are determined in your heart to go through, to enter the right gate, you don't carry anything with you. When you enter that gate, It is to walk with the Lord, to serve Him faithfully, to be the person that He has called you to be without reservation. I I, I remind you that during this past year, we've made a lot of choices. All of us have. We've made choices about our time made choices about our jobs. We've made choices about our family. We've made choices about our worship. We've made choices about our participation. We've made choices about our attendance. We've made all kinds of choices. And we are right now. At this moment in time, we are living with the consequences of those choices. But I I, I would say to you, as, as we acknowledge that another year has passed by, God has been gracious and merciful to us. We still have life. We still have breath. We still have opportunity. We can still choose. And there is a sense in which we make a choice to enter the gate. Then there is that daily choice that is made. To deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and to follow after Him. We have to choose. So as the year comes to an end and as we reflect on our spiritual lives, who we are and what we've been called to be, I would say to you this morning, as we extend the invitation, if you're not a Christian, our our prayer for you is that you would choose today to enter the gate that leads unto life. Because there is another gate And there is another destination. And whatever choice you make, the choice will have consequences attached to it. If you're not a Christian, our our prayer for you is that you would make a good choice this morning to begin your walk with the Lord, to be clothed with Him in baptism, to be born anew into the family of God, and to live a life that would glorify Him.
If you're sitting here as a Christian this morning, and you are not where you ought to be because of choices that were not good choices. Our prayer for you this morning is that you would repent of those choices and that you would make a good choice. If we can pray with you, help you, encourage you in that, we would love to do that. But our desire today is to encourage one another to make the choices that will honor God and bring into our lives the consequences that will be blessings and life for us. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation today, won't you come while we stand and sing?